You're listening to the Fire in a Hole podcast with Richard and Jason, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a cast. If you want to keep the show free and help us keep the lights on, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you have ideas for the show, we'd like to come on the show, uh, don't hesitate to drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Today on the show, we have the lovely and talented Starla. Starla is a professional model and entrepreneur, and she stops by the Fire in the Hole studio to dispel all of your preconceived notions about professional models and to talk about her career from body painting to fine art and boudoir photography. In the second half, we talk about her passion for psychology as well as a bunch about lucid dreaming and then go into some modeling horror stories as well as some funny stories. You can find Starla on Facebook. She is Starla Lost. And on Instagram, she is Model Adventurer. So without any further preamble, I give you the lovely and talented Starla on Fire in the Hole. Because my schedule is so crazy, it's very important to have very understanding friends and family because you have to be ready to go at any time. I could get a phone call telling me that I have to be in Milan by 8 a.m. in the morning. So what I like to do is keep a bag packed by the doorway just in case I get a call saying I have to go somewhere. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I feel like we're in trouble with our listeners. We've been away for two weeks. Uh, I think we're okay. I think they'll forgive us. Yeah? Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, when, especially now that we can finally start to talk about why we've been so busy or you've been so busy. Well, we're going to be one day late. Is that really like so late? It is. Is uh, it? Yeah. After a year and a half of uh, of consistency, I feel like. Mm. Maybe, maybe it's just in my head. Maybe nobody cares. That's true. <laughs> We've been holding ourselves accountable for this. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, to be like religiously on the Monday, always on the Monday. I think that's been, to me anyway, the discipline is is kind of great. Hmm. Especially with anything artistic, you know. Um, that We've never let ourselves lulled into that like, oh, I don't know if I feel like doing it today. We're just like, no, it's on. Right. Got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have a lot going on. Yeah, man. What a weekend for you, eh? It was quite the, quite the roller coaster ride, I yeah. have to say. So... I guess I could sort of talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about yeah. it. Yeah, we can. Okay. It's, it's well, kind of out there. Let's it's welcome thing, yeah. our guest, first of all, Starla. Hi. Hi there. Thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. Welcome um, to the show. Yeah, welcome to the show. <laughs> so just uh, what we're rambling about is uh, Richard and his brother have been working on this um, this card game, this uh, kind of really cool card game for the last, I don't know, year? Yeah, you're in a bit. Yeah, and it's been hush-hush and hush-hush. And then finally, we, we went out to uh, Comic-Con in Ottawa this weekend. Nice. And uh, we had a chance to like launch it with a panel and the whole thing. So it was a lot of fun. I saw you had a, a Darth Vader hoodie. Did I say that correctly? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> do, I detect, do I detect a hint of geek? <laughs> yes. Okay, because you mentioned Star Wars, I have to like tell you my one Star Wars joke. It's my favorite of all times. Nice. How warm is it inside of a Tauntaun? Uh... 
I don't know. Lukewarm. Lukewarm. Yeah. <laughs> I should have guessed that. You should have. You were, you were, you had that one ready to go. I, it's literally my go-to joke. Like all my friends hate me it's for it. It's lukewarm. That's amazing. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. great. That's better than any joke I've ever told on stage. I love it. And it has all my, uh, my kids are going to love that one. <laughs> I'm going to drop that on my boys later. That's great. Yeah. So we went to geek out. It wasn't my first comic con, but I think it was, it was the first time you went out there. I'd been to a Comic-Con to support you. Well, it was a Comic-Con affiliate event. Right. Right. At the Stade Olympique. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, you have to keep mentioning that. That was horrible. <laughs> uh, Montreal, uh, Montréal en Lumière, you know, like the, the festival with the lights. Yeah. Light fe- yeah. We, we, I had a project a few years back where we got a bunch of bookings in different places, and one of them was <laughs> as part of this festival. And usually that means like a cool booth somewhere. But I wasn't part of the arrangement sort of crew and anyway they ended up putting us you ever been to the stadium yeah okay have you ever been up into the mast probably not no <laughs> okay it's it's really just for tourists like they just like to go up there and like oh look you can see the city and then come back down they literally excuse me they put us up in the mast we're the only booth up there right so people come into the area where there's booths they see all the stuff being displayed then Some of them know, some of them don't know. They take the elevator up and then there's this group of like people <laughs> with like a video <laughs> to show upstairs. And it was really funny too because it, w- it was an action film and we had all these guns that were like prop guns, which I didn't want to bring, but somebody insisted. And so it was so weird because there's just families getting out of this elevator with little tykes running around and there's all these people standing around this table like looking like we belonged in a gun show somewhere in the south or something it was the most bizarre thing I ever experienced actually as a show way mm-hmm. way worse than what we did this weekend i mean not worse but i mean <laughs> <laughs> we had our share of technical difficulties too though yeah it was not that bad it wasn't that bad i've seen much worse so Have what you, happened this weekend well it was just because the panels are you've been to comic-con right yeah like, i'm more of an anime i haven't been to an actual comic-con but i've been to like anime north which is the same concept okay So you know that there's panels, obviously, mm-hmm. and they're a little bit uh, chaotic because like this per- this group will have it at one to two, and then two to three. So people have to like kind of rush in and set up everything. Yeah, you've got 15 minutes to set up all of your gear. Yeah, and then you have these volunteers that are kind of really well-meaning, but like they may not know how the equipment works, and then the mics aren't working, and like what is that? Swear? Hello, hello, testing, test, testing, testing. <laughs> and then, do we let them in? Do we not let them in yet? <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a clusterfuck, but... Um. Yeah, we were all set up, and then the sound just craps out, and yeah. none of the mics were working, and nobody knew how to fix it. It was right. like, oh, oh no, do we let people in, or do we not let people in? But mm-hmm. I think it worked out all right in the end. I think it was a great experience. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've lived something like that before, but I, I'm glad you guys did it, because it's, it's a good experience to present a project, right? Yeah, Have definitely. you ever, ever done like public speaking, or...? Yeah, I actually did, used to do uh, motivational speaking for the environment for like oh, really? uh, high schools and elementary schools. I That's loved awesome. it. <laughs> so you, you clearly aren't shy in front of a crowd. Nope. Probably should be, but <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so would you, would you consider yourself a model? Would you say you're a model? Yeah. Um, it, it actually came to a bit of a shock because I just graduated like two weeks ago and came to the realization that this is now my full-time gig. Like yeah. that this is, this is my only source of income. And I mean, I've been doing it for five years, but it never really kicked me like it did two weeks ago. You know? Yeah. Now that it's like it's official, this is your sort of profession. Yeah. Okay. How did you get started? Because um, a lot of people say, I'm a model, I'm an actress, 
I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian. <laughs> a lot of people like throwing those words around because you don't really have a ring or a sort of credentials that you have to show. Like if you say, you can't just go like, yeah, I'm an engineer. People yeah. can, are, can check, right? But you are legitimately a model. Like how did you get into that world? Um, when I was younger, I had started a face and body company, uh, body painting company okay. <laughs> and um, I used to practice on myself and take a lot of selfies and put them online and eventually this model um, who found me and she said can you paint me to look all tribal I can't pay you but I'll give you some cool photos in return so I did that and the photographer turned out to be fantastic and because people had already been following me for my paint it just kind of exploded and slowly tumbled to where I am now so okay. it started with painting my own face like a zombie and it just boom <laughs> yeah and the lucky part too is this all happened right before the walking dead so when walking dead came out all the blogs needed zombie photos oh. so they so, started taking my oh. photos not crediting me of course but <laughs> yeah that's a big one with yeah. the credited that's a big one people tend to forget that stuff or they do the whole like exposure you know like yeah if you can do it for exposure you ever seen that like somebody made uh exposure dollars it's like an actual thing i love that thing <laughs> it says something like uh, pay your rent with it, uh, buy groceries, <laughs> exposure dollars. <laughs> so, okay, so there was no like big struggle, big trying to find. You just did this project and it exploded. It, it, it wasn't like a ex huge explosion. It was very slow and steady. I mean, I did free work for a year and a half because I honestly loved it. And then after a while, my demand got too high and I, I didn't know how to politely say no to people. So I started charging people and they kind of sorted themselves out that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just slowly grew from there. And that's, that's been the fun part about this industry is I've slowly and consistently been growing. Okay. Huh. Interesting. But you seem like you've, I mean, maybe this is just new you now, but it seems as if, as if, you've had kind of the business end of this thing kind of lock on a lockdown from the beginning. I, I'm, I'm very logic oriented rather okay. than heart. Um, You're Cartesian. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know someone who's Cartesian. Yeah, anyway, go on. Um, my parents were both entrepreneurs. They've been running their own businesses my entire life. So like I've always seen that. And I started the face and body painting company, which turned into this. And, and that's really been my secret to success is so many girls get into this thinking that they're pretty or hot enough. And they have no business uh, mentality at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. So uh, they don't show up or even or they're late or they just don't care. And I've, I've always approached it with a business model. And that's 50% of my success that of I credit course, to. If not more. Yeah. Right. I could <laughs> say that about all the arts, actually, that most mm -hmm. people don't. It's, it's not even pitched to you that way, the, the, the cliche of it when you're growing up, you know, when you're trying to figure out what segment of the population professionally you're going to orient yourself towards. When it arts are mentioned, it's always like the dream, the fantasy, mm. the like passion, the inspiration. Like nobody ever talks to you about like, and at some point you're going to have to charge people. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I them. think you were saying the same thing when you were going to film school, right? That, Absolutely. Like, that there was that there was no course to how to do your business. There was one. Was there? There was one guy, one teacher, obstinately, but like against faculty. Uh, uh, pushing to do an introduction to producing class where he would bring in lawyers, like entertainment lawyers. We were like, why are we talking to lawyers? And he's like, because you're going to need these fucking guys to sort out <laughs> rights, you know, and da, da, da. we're like, sort out rights? Because you're just a student, you know, so you're just stealing from wherever, like using, appropriating. Wait, I'm going to need to make money? Yeah. I'm going to need to pay rent? I'm going to have to register my company? No, 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 I'm an artist. I'm an artist. I'll just put out the genius and people, the people will come, <laughs> That's right. will flock to it. Yeah. So I guess in a, in a way you were super lucky to have these sort of uh, business minded parents or 
kind of show you the way, right? Uh, completely. Like uh, my one of my models in this industry is uh, dumb luck and smart choices. Mm-hmm. Is it's it's all luck, but at the same time, when the the luck comes to you, you have to be bold enough to to make the right choice. You have to see it. Yeah, see, yeah. That that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Just just seeing that the opportunities, because people say doors open, doors close, but to be to have that radar to go like, oh, this is something we should. I don't want to yeah. use the strike the strike the hammer or what is it strike the steel while it's hot <laughs> like i don't want to bust out all those buzzwords but yeah mm-hmm. that is a skill and for sure that is a skill that's not recognized so what, what did your parents say when you're like body painting company <laughs> well my mom was actually the one who encouraged it uh she does a lot of volunteer uh okay. stuff and they always needed a face painter and so i was always voluntold to do it and then i kind of realized that i can branch off from volunteer and make money off of it do birthday kid party birthday kid parties um <laughs> birthday parties and like uh, city events and stuff and then i just kept growing and uh, experimented with body paint i didn't get too much paid work with that but it was still a lot of fun you made some contacts i'm guessing yeah, yeah exactly and now that's actually the one gig that i still do for free is body painting because i it's my roots i love it so much and like i, I get really cool photos that way too mm. <laughs> i don't really I, I don't think i i really understand that that scene not that i don't get it i just mm-hmm. like i never saw it as a particular thing as a segment no. But I guess there is a body painting thing. Like there's a scene, right? Oh, for sure. It's a niche, but it's definitely there. And there's more and more uh, reality shows coming out with it. Like Skin Wars, I think was one. Oh, yeah. I um, think I saw that one. Yeah. There's also some f- girl who's really famous, I think, for um, for doing like uh, cart- comic book, like 2D paint- oh, yeah, body painting jobs. Oh, like pop art. Is, I think Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. she'll do a full on comic book um like i don't know colossus or whatever from the x-men and she'll go through the whole thing from what i understand it's very very popular but again it didn't click to me that it was the body painting that was a specific mm-hmm. what is it about body painting that's different from like i don't know another type of art it's it's a breathing canvas it's a canvas that moves and the art moves with it um and for example one of the biggest trends in body paint was having people disappear into the background with paint or having mm. like jeans painted on them so realistic a woman can walk around bottomless and no oh, one would <laughs> like blink an eye you know I'm, I'm, I'm so envious i think every man in the world would love to be able to pull that off <laughs> Because yeah. I, I have a theory that men hate pants <laughs> deep down. I think most people hate pants. You think most people hate <laughs> pants? I, I can only speak for men as a man. But yeah, I think pants are uh, like, uh, there's like, a, there, there's an oppressive quality to them. So that as would soon be, as somebody goes like freelance and ends up working from home, the first thing to it's go the is the first pants. thing to go. Yeah. Yeah. Not <laughs> even freelance. The moment you're through the door. Yeah. If the coast is clear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing. Like, <laughs> it's out of here. Yeah. So... Um, how is it different? I mean, I, I guess my first earliest image of a uh, body painting that I can think of is maybe, wasn't there a Pink Floyd album cover? Yes. Where the, the backs, where the, the women almost looked hourglass with the, the, their womanly shape. Yeah. They're all sitting back yeah. to, with their backs turned to the camera. And it's beautiful. I love that. And it was such a cool, it was, it was a way to put sex appeal into art, you mm-hmm. know, without being too obvious but still being sexy i loved that cover right yeah no i think maybe it i don't know if that started it because i'm sure people did it probably from the the beginning of time people have painted on themselves and stuff probably yeah so there is something tribal and primal to it but i guess it also like many art forms maybe is a victim of having been a lot of times hijacked by like cheesy like um uh you know like corporate you know like they'll put out bikini girls with like ferrari 
body yeah. like they'll, they'll market mm-hmm. it in a kind of very in just the sexual way and mm-hmm. and i guess maybe some people just think that it's a way to see boobs <laughs> without going into a strip club right right but that there's actually a whole other thing behind it first time i remember seeing body painting i think was like late 90s possibly like in bars like the they purple would, haze they, they remember the purple, that bar? yeah purple haze yeah now you're gonna figure out how old we are yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> uh-huh. and then there was uh what was the other one i can't remember the name of the but bar, it was a regular but, but it was, they would have live body painting events mm-hmm. you'd have like like four models and four body painters and it'd be like almost like a competition sort of thing that would go on live during the evening i guess you can't be ticklish <laughs> if you're i found out all of my ticklish spots like really quick and they're all weird they're like in the back of my shoulder or something like, like that's not even how to, you even know it was a spot <laughs> exactly yeah. like the tip of your collarbone you're like exactly yeah. Yeah. because it's like a sponge then it's a brush and then it's an airbrush and each one tickles different spots because it's a different <laughs> feeling that's uh. yeah and the patience, the ab- the amount of time that it takes. Five, six hours at least. E- e- wow. Like easy. That, that's yeah. for like something simple. Uh, well, I mean, if you just paint me one color, it'd probably take like two hours. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you start putting detail, it, it mm. grows very, very quickly. And when you started out, were you painting yourself or... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that must be tough. It was actually, that was my problem is I was better painting myself than anyone else. And I couldn't adapt to other body types. That was what kind of like stopped me body painting. But face painting, I could just get faces. I just never really got the diversity of bodies with a paintbrush Mm. for whatever reason. It's it's tricky. It's really, really cool. Makes sense. Yeah. You're essentially, yeah, you're trying to cover a three dimensional uh, canvas. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's body just goes another direction... Uh, even though you might have done that painting a million times, it just doesn't work now. Exactly. The triangle's a, a circle or whatever. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I guess this probably closely related to to makeup in film and stuff and like that. You know, when you exactly. see very elaborate makeup jobs or um, Cirque du Soleil prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you done prosthetics before? Uh, yeah, that that was um, my my main thing is face painting. I loved Halloween. I loved gore. Yeah. So I, I would play around. I, I didn't get much farther than just using a bunch of fake skin and cuts, but I loved it. I love making like a six-year-old boy be able to scare his father kind of thing. <laughs> father probably didn't like it, but... It's, it's really like I've seen it up close. I've seen people uh, who... who do that for a living mm-hmm. you know who do the full-on like the guts coming out with the spray and everything and they are always the jolliest people yeah <laughs> you know there's you, you imagine like somebody some van driving person that's very long who hurt you <laughs> exactly but they're always like there's just stuff squirting everywhere and like the two one guy's pumping the blood and the girl's laughing and i guess you have to be kind of have fun with it because otherwise mm. it's kind of morbid <laughs> it's a kind of a morbid thing to to be fascinated by Okay. Coming off the recent Comic-Con experience, the, yeah. the cosplayers and the professional cosplayers really uh, left an impression. That's, that's a whole thing now, right? It's huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Like, and it's been going on for about maybe a good 10 years now, but probably huge for the last five mm-hmm. in North America where we're starting to see like elite level yeah. cosplayers show up here. Because prior to that, I think it was mostly just in Japan that you saw like fully professional like the, the whole bells and whistles. But every year, people just go, like, things like, uh, what's that? Instructables. I don't know if you know that site. Yeah. Uh, like, the DIY uh, th- thing has just escalated almost like a almost like a nuclear, like, an arms race, right? Like, five years ago was the first time somebody made, like, a Master Chief costume in a garage. 
now it's commonplace to see five or six people show up with functioning Iron Man costumes at a con mm. with like lights and, ro and like rotating cannons. And it's not even impressive anymore. Right. Before there was like that one guy that came from Sweden who had, a, <laughs> who had five degrees in engineering and the resources to do it. But now like everyone's just getting super creative. There was this, you see the guy with the Oscar the Grouch hand puppet? No, I didn't see him. It was the simplest thing, but he nailed it. It was perfect. It, it was exactly like Oscar. But what he'd do is he'd walked around and he was dressed like garbage. And he had this <laughs> trash can. And his arm was inside, obviously. And he was using it to animate like this full life-size Oscar. But it looked like the Sesame Street Oscar, like exactly. Wow. And this guy wasn't like corporate backed or anything he was just some dude from ottawa who's like gonna make the kids laugh this is what i do this is i like to make the kids laugh you know <laughs> so yeah so where do you get together with your people your your body painting people is there a oh um well there's this one girl who's really really good in montreal um she just did a pinup zombie calendar which was really cool so i was miss candy cane Nice. Uh, her name was Melanie. And then there's a guy who I always go to in Kitchener, Jim. He goes by Artistic Curves. And he, he specializes in body paint cosplay. So that okay. ties in this conversation really yeah, well. Yeah, this is all coming, into, <laughs> all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing we did was an Overwatch character. Um, but he, he does like, he just did the Power Rangers and did five people at once. And he's been on a number of blogs too, being a, a top body paint cosplayer kind of mm -hmm. guy. Yeah, no, the, the, the following of these things is huge. Like the fans of this. Mm -hmm. I think we talk a lot of times about the ills of social media, how you can get crucified or it can go down dark avenues. But for things like this, like made mm -hmm. at home, small, small scenes, you could never get that kind of community together without the internet, I think. You can talk to people from any place in the world, right? Who's into mm -hmm. that one specific mm -hmm. thing, right? So how does this segue into more already art like modeling just modeling and um well i most of my work is in toronto mm -hmm. uh montreal the modeling industry isn't actually super high which is sounds familiar <laughs> counterintuitive though right yeah bit. but it makes sense yeah makes sense all the agencies send the girls out to toronto or new york or mm -hmm. overseas um but uh, the problem is is a lot of the photographers here in montreal love playboy playboy's great Playboy. Really? Yeah. Like Playboy. they're obsessed with that aesthetic? Or? The, the lighting. The flat okay. lighting um, and positioning lighting to a T so that the lighting is specific for one pose kind of thing. And which is cool, which is fun. But, you know, doing it for four years straight makes you kind of bored of that, that one theme. So I go to Toronto. Toronto is uh, much more diverse in the industry and uh, really, really cool things. What I often do is I rent out an Airbnb and I have photographers come in and out. So it's like a homey kind of style. Oh, that's hmm. smart. Yeah. Like, almost like a press junket in reverse with photographer. That's really smart. Okay. Yeah. And I usually split it with another girl. My, my biggest thing right now is duos. I love doing duos mm -hmm. um, because you can never really predict what the other model's going to do, which makes for some hilarious shots too. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I never thought of duos as a thing, but that yeah. is kind of, yeah, that can yield some cool... Yeah. I guess maybe there's maybe a little bit less of uh, less stress on the on you as well because mm -hmm. you're kind of sharing the spotlight. That's it. Is is one girl loses a pose? Um, I've been working with this girl Christiana a lot, and uh, what I'll say is I've I've run out of poses. Is I say go into turtle, 
which is a silly phrase, but she just kind of goes into a fetal position on the ground. And then I can lay on top of her and pose into like 10 or 15 different ways with her just sitting there as a rock. Okay. And then we'll reverse. So like one of us is taking a break and thinking of poses while the other one is like buying time, you know? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Again, I'm getting all sorts of Transformers like references in my brain. <laughs> uh, to the, there was these robots that were, they, could, they looked the same, all of them. Mm-hmm. And then they would trade. One would turn into the motorcycle and the other one would hop on. And then they would attack. And then if they got knocked off, like they'd switch places. That's exactly it, actually. That's exactly, <laughs> did I capture it? I was so afraid. We, I was going to get the blank stare. Like, no, Jason. Sorry. <sighs> so much pressure is off now. Yeah, no, but that's great. That's, that's, a, that's a really cool thing. It, it's so interesting for me to hear your perspective because uh, a good friend of mine uh, is a fashion photographer in Montreal. Oh, nice. And uh, uh, I hear his complaints and his worries and his opinions about things all the time. The models here are terrible too. Like it's it's yeah. a catch twenty two. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I don't know. There's there's definitely a lot. There's probably a whole conversation to be had just about what's going on with Montreal yeah. in terms of business, in terms of art. I feel like it's the same. Uh, it's the same burden on all of these industries. There's some kind of uh, we're like this suffering from this little big city syndrome. Yes. We're, we're kind of super well situated. All the cool people come through here or want to party here. But it's really difficult to get anything going and support it and maintain it in this town. Yeah. And you hear this from microbrewers. You hear this from models, photographers, actors, uh, filmmakers, martial, filmmakers <laughs> martial artists, uh, bakers, comedians. comedians. It's no, a, a common thread through like all the people we've talked to. Is like, yeah. It's really tough to make anything happen in Montreal. And it's weird because there's good sides and bad sides to it. On one end, it keeps Montreal this kind of humble little place where it's a it's it's an incredible uh, mill f- for ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and it we tend to pump out like really, really smart, really creative people, but give them no love. <laughs> Pretty much, right? yeah. No, there's so much talent in here, but we don't know how to realize it. They always have to leave to to get to be beloved, and then once they leave, we're like traitor. <laughs> <laughs> like, where were you? <laughs> I was I was making films out of yeah. my own pocket for five years in Montreal, and you didn't care. I go do one Hollywood film, and I'm uh, you know, I mean, it's indicative, and maybe this is very silly, but it's indicative when the biggest star of all time, which I think is still Celine Dion. The biggest thing she's that this what, like yeah. her hater, lover or hater, right? No, she's great. The she is easily the biggest money maker to ever um, leave the city, leave the city, and move <laughs> permanently to Vegas, yeah. right? Who yeah. the hell wants to live in Las Vegas? Apparently, no, nobody. Apparently, that's still better than living here for mm. some reason. Right? So, that's kind of a sad thing. But um, at the same time, go doing the Toronto thing is not too crazy, right? Like doing the bike by city thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. Like it's, if you catch it on a good day, it's a four and a half hour train ride. Yeah. And it's like going through school, that was gold because I'm, um, I'm a bit of a workaholic because of my parents. So I would never leave time for my homework, but transit, what do you do on a train for four and a half hours? There you go. You know, so I did what, all my homework on that. What did you study? If I may ask, um, uh, I got a major in psychology and a double minor in neuroscience and religion. Whoa. Kind of all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, it's like Joe Rogan level <laughs> in terms of like things we could talk about. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So that's a whole other 
that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Well, realistically modeling, like I've got maybe five years, if I'm lucky, it's very age dependent. So mm -hmm. there's no way I can live my life off of this. It's certainly fun while I, I am in it, but I do need mm -hmm. a backup plan. <laughs> you, you, I think I know now what you mean when you said like a lot of girls you run into are like, whatever, yeah. I'm just going to do this now. It's going to last forever. <laughs> I got 10,000 followers. Yeah. Um, and they think that no further thought you're very like you have a very sober very mature outlook like you already know Thanks. you already know what's going on and how this you strategic you're right you are cartesian you're yeah. strategically already like <laughs> when that's over i got this thing happening and that thing happening okay exactly so what about the uh in terms of were your parents at all concerned about you modeling or yeah i'm thinking of your dad as a parent thinking <laughs> of your dad For sure. Um, my mom used to model herself. Okay. Um, now, she, she was naturally stick thin. You can stick two hands around her waist, apparently, when she was my age. Uh, so she was more runway. I'm more photo. She would train runway and stuff, and she just saw the, the bad sides of the industry, and that's what she was worried about. You know, her friend would pose in a blouse, and she would turn for a pose, and the photographer would grab a nip slip and still publish it, and little things like that, you know? Okay. Which isn't, like, such a huge deal now, but it certainly was then. Um, my father, like, raising a lingerie model is kind of a dad's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, you're like, yeah, but then you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they, they, they struggled a bit, and especially since I didn't start with quality. I was just so addicted to the industry. Like, whoever would shoot me, I would. So there was crappy images. Then I, I don't delete them. You can still go on my Facebook and see where I started. I'm very transparent mm -hmm. like that. Um, Again, very unusual, <laughs> but cool. Yeah, and um, it, it's not until recently that they really realized that I'm making something out of it. I mean, I, I've got a Europe tour this summer, which I'm super psyched for. I'm getting paid off of Facebook. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm making a career off of it. And it kind of made them realize like, oh, yeah, I raised a good daughter. She's, she's not going to get herself in trouble doing right. this. You yeah, know? we're not going to be like hiring someone to kidnap her from a cult and deprogram her and stuff like that you've got you've got this yeah my dad did try to add me on facebook though and oh. I, i told him like maybe not <laughs> he doesn't understand the consequences that's it it's like i, I mean, love you dad but i do post lingerie photos you don't want to see yeah that. <laughs> i learned i learned the, the the dangers of facebook from that standpoint a few years ago when um these pictures of uh like 13 14 year old girls in bikinis started to pop up on my on my yeah. wall and i was like What's going on here? Nope, none of that. <laughs> I didn't understand. I, I was like, I could, my security settings are this, I let this in. How did I let, the, how were these people? And then luckily I recognized one of the last names as being the cousins of my my baby mama, my, my, my ex. And then I like traced it back. I realized these were her cousins oh. who I'd forgotten about because we were, we had been together for 15 years. So when I met them, they were babies or mm -hmm. kids, right? And I forgot about them if maybe somewhere she added them or whatever, but suddenly now they're blossoming into women, quote unquote, or whatever they're going through. They're like, I'm a woman stage. And then they're mm -hmm. taking these sexy pictures, if you want to call them that. But mm -hmm. like, I was just like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be able to explain this to anybody. <laughs> no one's going to want to hear me out. If I tell them that this is, no, oh, the cousins of the, th they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, but you got to be careful. Uh, and the same thing for relatives, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I, um, I'm conflicted about that because my kids want to see a lot of my films and stuff. And I realize a lot of the stuff that I made are is violent, <laughs> super violent. Yeah. So, like, I'm trying to teach them not to be violent, but they're like, what's, why are you making movies about 
you know, the Punisher and things like that, dad. And I'm like, uh, uh, go watch cartoons. You know, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell him. I'll tell you when you're older. That's right. You'll understand. <laughs> go ask your mother. Go ask your mother. <laughs> yeah, no. So that's cool. I mean, I guess, I guess from that standpoint, your parents were cool with it. What about yourself? I mean, you're, you're, you're a young woman. There's a lot of talk about like the body image thing about mm -hmm. like, and I don't get the sense that you were ever really, um, like you, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but like you kind of had it figured out or it clicked in your mind at an early age or uh, pretty much how I explain like my life to people yeah. is what the, the depression stage people get at like 17, 18 in adolescence. I experienced really young at like 13. So like I got that out of my system okay. really quick, but that meant like I started modeling when I was 16 and I was actually bulimic which is counterintuitive because you usually think eating disorders occur during a, a modeling career. What happened was um, basically the photographers were taking photos of me that were very flattering. And so my image of myself when I looked at the mirror changed. Modeling actually got me out of bulimia. And I had that for like three years, therapists and everything. So mm. I totally was a mess when I got into this. Um, and here's the trick with bulimia. You don't actually lose weight. You gain more weight because your body's in starvation mode all the time. So I was about 40 pounds heavier than I am now. So I was about 200 pounds and I'm not even like agency standard right now. You were 200 pounds. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mind you, I'm six foot. So it, it spreads out a lot. So it doesn't look or as bad as 200 pounds sounds, but like, you know, I was chubby for the industry. Point guard. You were a point guard. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but I found myself a niche. I found a bunch of boudoir photographers who had all these skinny, gorgeous women um, in lingerie. But they're trying to sell to the soccer moms to make themselves feel special to the husband they haven't slept with in like 10 years or whatever, right? <laughs> so I told them like... None I would love to see that on a, on, a, <laughs> on a sort of like marketing thing, like in the West Island, like a big board. It's like, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> I just thought that was a great log line. Okay, go on. <laughs> So I basically went up to them and I was like, these soccer moms don't look like this. They're going to expect you to look to make them look like this and they're not going to. You need a curvy model. So photographers would normally agree, but they wouldn't agree past one curvy model in their portfolio. And I was just that curvy model who would hit all the photographers. And then school happened. School is stressful. Lost weight. And so I'm kind of playing this middle ground where I can do fashion. I'm not technically like thin enough to do right. um, fashion, but I'm, I've got um, good poses and I can still do the curvy boudoir. So I, I've got myself in a really, really nice position because of the niche I started out in. Yeah. Now, it's really weird. There's, there's always this overriding, there's always this sense of confidence around the pictures that I've even seen of you. Like you. whether you're wearing like a triangles on your head or, or like <laughs> body painted as a zombie or uh, I never... I can, you can sort of see when somebody is um, shy or mm -hmm. not necessarily shy, but like afraid of the camera, but you always seem very like present in whatever you're doing. So that, that I think makes a big difference. I think that that's probably responsible for almost a complete lack of, of uh, nervousness. I think, I don't know. Do you get nervous when you model? Oh, uh, the first time when I, the first year I modeled, I'd had this thing. I would get so nervous. I would actually get this cold sore that was huge. And it was always in the corner of my lip. It was lip. the same, same place? Oh my God, I okay. hated it. <laughs> it's weird, the body, how it does that. Yeah. yeah. And of course, a cold sore is one of the hardest things to uh, Photoshop out because of the texture, the color and stuff. And so I was, it would make me even more nervous because I'm like, oh, the photographer hates me. He's never going to hire me again mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it eventually just kind of went away. I got used to it, I guess. And I can I, relate to that. I think yeah. with the comedy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of your yeah. yeah. You got rid of, but it's, it's you get e- comfortable. Even mm-hmm. now, when you're talking about like your first fears, they they're, they're still kind of business strategic oriented, rather than like they're not gonna <laughs> love me. Like it's more like, <laughs> oh no, this is gonna cost me. <laughs> we had like this little business man or businesswoman thing going on. That's cool. So mm-hmm. you started at the age of sixteen. You said yeah. Okay, and boudoir. I guess I guess I'm not hundred percent sure how uh, what that is it, it's actually under debate like forever uh, no one really has a real answer for me i always liked the the definition that boudoir is as if you walked into a room and a woman's getting ready to seduce you but she's not quite there yet she you know she's putting the stockings on she doesn't oh, realize okay. you're there that mm. kind of look so it's a it's a natural confidence that but they don't think that you're viewing them so okay like the female equivalent of a guy like getting ready for war type yeah, of thing exactly like putting on his armor exactly doing, about to do something violent or or maybe even preparing for a sport yeah it's that intimate casual super honest exactly uh and i kind of way sexier almost than the than the like ta-da because it's it's the person's in their mind they're mm-hmm. prepping and okay okay that makes sense it's almost like a voyeur in a way yeah I exactly yeah, i was thinking yeah. that yeah yeah you immediately <laughs> got like a cheesy 80s uh like through the window shot yeah, kind yeah. Of. like peephole sort of. yeah closet door open <laughs> yeah oh, do you remember do you remember that scandal with the hotel room with the the hole in the wall this was like a couple of years ago no I don't this think. super major hotel got busted where one of the security guys or one of the the top people in had strategically placed uh peeping hole peepholes all over the hotel <laughs> no. but he 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 messed with the wrong lady and she somehow found out she was like a news anchor or something <laughs> oh, man. and a whole thing came tumbling down huge settlement for like millions of dollars or whatever but it's like something out of like a horror movie or psycho or <laughs> uh, uh, yeah i feel like i feel like one of the baldwins was probably in it. <laughs> one of the 18 baldwins but uh, uh, it's an interesting thing this this idea of voyeurism because mm-hmm. we potentially live in the most voyeuristic time of of our history and it's going to keep growing i think it's it's uh, with the trend of the ego and the narcissism i think it's kind of out of control right Mm -hmm. and i've seen the damage that it's done to women um let's say of my age Mm -hmm. i'm 38 years old uh women in their mid-30s i see a lot of them um really really feeling the burn by like obsessed with just they're just like flipping through instagram and seeing these young girls kind of making thousands of dollars but just pouting into a camera or at least that's the impression yeah and everyone's talking about how this is damaging the the brains and the the self-image of young girls which is definitely i think would you agree is an issue yeah like like the the constant images i don't necessarily think what the images portray are damaging because no matter what the images portray it's going to be saying you ha- um i have something you don't have or vice versa and it's always going to the, the industry runs on making people want something right. want to buy something you're lacking exactly yeah. this is all of marketing mm-hmm. but what's interesting is almost like the 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 sec- segment of the population i don't think anyone's thinking of are the 30-somethings mm-hmm. that still had a foot in the analog world and kind of saw the transition. The people before, whatever, they're, 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 they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're, they're either have accepted the new technology or they don't give a shit. They're like, ah, ah, retiring, don't care. <laughs> right? They kind of have that attitude. Um, or they're unplugging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our generation, at least mine, I feel like is fully in this malaise, this like huge... Uh, trying to catch up it's brutal like the women turning 
30 to 40 now, I feel like they're, they're hurting more than any generation of women turning 30 to 40. Because as opposed to just having to maybe feel insecure or whatever, threatened by younger women, whatever, now they're, there's a super produced, fully like with budgets of, of girls who they could never have even competed with as young girls because there was no production of that, you know? Yeah. It's almost like watching a movie from the 80s where you realize they hadn't figured out conditioner yet. Everyone's really frizzy. <laughs> oh, have you noticed this? I didn't notice it until you pointed it out, but like yeah. now it makes sense. <laughs> Watch any movie prior to 1995 and everyone's got like a little like frizz and their teeth aren't that white. They look, you're like, oh, go gross. But then you realize, wait, every, how come everyone's teeth are gross? No, you, what you don't realize is that there was no color correction. Mm-hmm. There was no bleaching. Pro- people weren't as highly produced as they are now. Yeah. So... That, that that's a huge shock on the system right for sure and unfortunately like like i said before it's just going to get worse on and i think what do you mean by that it sounds like you had a specific vision of how it's going to get worse ah well uh in psychology the the whole narci- narcissism trend we we realized it's an epidemic that's what we call it it's easily spread we have no cure for it we don't know how we're going to stop it and all it, it's growing faster than we can come up with solutions so you see it as a purely destructive force Unfortunately, yeah. Um, I, I kind of compare it to Trump. I think it's a necessary evil to kind of base us down to nothing, crumble us down so we can build back up. So it's going to get a lot, a lot worse than it gets better, I think. Yeah. Wasn't a narcissistic personality disorder removed from like the book? Like it's just, it's just like <laughs> you're just human. Because <laughs> it's like, everybody. It's just like, yeah. yeah, it's not a disorder. If everyone's got it. You I know. didn't know about that. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure about that one, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like three years ago. They just like they took it out. Like we got to strike this one way. Yeah, everyone's got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense. But um, I wonder how much of a like I, I tend to see it that way a little bit, mm-hmm. but I also see it as a some sort of strange reaction. I feel like we're very, very like disease. Things happen to us very like viruses and diseases and antibodies. Like I feel like a lot of these viral things are very, like I feel like this could be, this narcissism could be some sort of weird protection bubble against not being able to cope with how fast things are going, right? And this is some sort of return, like an armadillo you know how they roll up into a ball, or yeah. Um, well, we've talked I've talked about it so many times about how sort of social media has caused us all to be like our own PR managers, right? And we're mm-hmm. curating this like this is what my life is like, so that everyone can see how amazing and beautiful and fantastic we are at all times. And you have no choice. You have no choice because everyone else is doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in the day when it was uh, there was one person that you knew that was the album freak that the picture album person mm. and then you envied because like man she looks like she has a lot of fun it's all <laughs> these vacation pictures I, I gotta take more pictures right i remember the mm-hmm. first time i felt that stress but now it's i can't even imagine what it's going to be like for my kids as they come into yeah i don't think we feel anywhere near as much pressure as younger people or even you know kids you're yeah set it in for yeah, yeah. something's got to give though thing. i mean I mean, it's weird because I was uh, I was listening to uh, was it Shirley Manson? I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, I did not. Sh- sorry, sh- not <laughs> before your time. Shirley Manson was uh, is the singer of a, uh, like a super group from the '90s that was like 
pretty much the biggest thing going around after after nirvana they were the biggest band what was the band uh garbage i've heard um, of garbage yeah yeah i mean the drummer from garbage discovered kurt cobain so ah. he, so that's how big super groupy they were and uh they had a very unique career because they were like super popular at a concentrated time and they were global and then gone like no one cared overnight almost but she was saying something very interesting about the new generation how everyone is like models singers everyone is like elite level technique technique there's 12 year old boys doing uh virtuoso or not uh, what do you call it like um like expert level piano, violin, guitar, supermodels now at 11, uh, all these prodigies. We're living through another prodigy era where they're all elite, but with no, there's no like soul or search mm-hmm. or, 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 or a perspective in it. Just ego, putting it out there. Yeah, just she called them terminators, which I thought was a really <laughs> cool way of putting it. The idea that there's all these people who have all this information because of the internet Mm-hmm. of how to be a, a supermodel they have instagram they have all these social media so they can build up the full career but not actually experience the ups and downs of it just kind of either become huge or never be noticed mm. right and I then agree like with that. i don't know if that makes any sense totally it totally does i i think it has to do with the whole uh the industry again like uh making people want what they can't have and a part of it too is making themselves look glamorous so people want to be in the industry the internet's given us a tool that anyone can be in the industry without actually being in the industry. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're that the the industry lost. We figured out a way in. in. A way, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're trying to get, they're trying to pull back. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're right. Yeah, you can be your own, completely your own business. Sort of. Yeah, you can be a one one person business now. So. You're, are you your own agent? Do you have an agent? Do you have an agency? Yeah, um, I, I do most of my work. I do have an agent who I love, uh, En Vogue Agency in Montreal, Toronto-based. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're very, very kind, and they let me do my freelance work too, but they've gotten me really cool gigs. I've got a background acting agency in Toronto, LA Entertainment. Background acting? So like yeah. doing extra work? Or? Exactly. Okay. I was an extra in Suicide Squad. That oh, was my nice. rise to fame. Nice. <laughs> so you have acting aspirations then? Yeah. Uh, the problem with being a six foot tall woman is I'm typecasted as either a slut or a badass. So okay. <laughs> Explain the slut thing. <laughs> well, because being taller than men. Oh, um, you then you're to. like a escort or... Yeah, most of my gigs at the beginning or like castings, I didn't actually make them in all honesty, was like being some 14-year-old's fantasy as he's like dre- daydreaming in oh. high school or whatever. So I would like, I would have to strip at this audition and like, this isn't, this, no. <laughs> I'm kind of offended by the the fact that this was written. <laughs> it offends me on that level. Not that these things don't happen, but you know that there are people who write about this stuff compellingly and mm-hmm. it's honest. And then, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that like, and this is where the sex scene happens. So like, this is a movie about economic <laughs> policy. Why? Uh, uh, the story justifies it. I feel like these two should have sex. You're like, there's no, nothing in your story. Like, shut up. I want a sex scene here. So yeah, there's only, it was way too many of those gigs mm. out there unfortunately but i didn't know that tall meant that you get like slut like i didn't i didn't realize that it's just because it's it's very difficult if you're taller than the male actor and we all know actors are generally shorter yes. um the, to to be a love interest so okay. what are the other characters i could be oh. the sassy best friend possibly too 
Um, but I'm trying to do the badass route. I've been trying to do like fight choreography and I absolutely love it. It's the coolest thing in the world. Do you know world. Sean Bechu by any chance? I don't. You uh, don't know Sean? Okay. No. He's a, he's a friend of mine. He, he teaches, uh, state, uh, stage combat. Oh, no uh, way. In Montreal. Yeah. Uh, Fred, Fred Nguyen. Do you know Fred Nguyen? You don't no. know any of these people? Okay. <laughs> I got to introduce you to these combat crews because yeah. I know a bunch of these people and, uh, they're, they're obsessed with this stuff. Gu- guys and girls. Yeah, no, I love it. It's yeah. the coolest thing. And uh, my trainer, I lifted him over my, my shoulders and he's like, shit, okay. So you don't look <laughs> strong, but we could totally play the strong game. And uh, my gym has a video camera in it and the, the security at the front desk won't walk past me without like flinching or saying strong girl or something. Okay, now they've been watching. you got your rep. <laughs> That's it. I have a joke for you, then. Okay, uh, tell it to me. What kind of car do I drive? Um... I don't know. A Toyota. (laughs) I think psychology right now is super important. It is. Social media. It's cliche, but I I love it. I absolutely loved it. And it's a transferable skill too, right? It's everything. What would you like to do in that field um, once you, if you end up going into that field fully? Uh, Sleep psychology. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a trend right now. So I'd like to hit it while it's in the spotlight. And basically, my, my biggest problem with psychology is I'd be too involved if I was a therapist. I would I would honestly follow that person. You'd and take it home. Yeah. Mm. So and that's something I can't do. So sleep psychology, you talk to them for a little bit. You do some brain scans while they're sleeping. So it's, it's both psych and uh, neuroscience. And then you refer them to someone else. It's not your problem anymore. So you're diagnosing... Mm. Yeah. What information are you gleaning from the sleep, sleep, uh, sleeping? You could say, Hey, it's stressful. You're it's, it's pure stress. Go see a therapist or Hey, it's because your, your internal clock is off. So, you know, make sure you have the right lights, make sure you have a, a good schedule, make sure you're sleeping seven hours a day. Like it, it, this it is could quantifiable be now. Yeah. We have this. We have this technology now? For the most part. The other interesting part is there's so much left to learn with sleep psychology, especially with dreams. We have no idea what dreams are. Right, still. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's so much research. So it's a really interesting place to be and hopefully a growing field. But Sounds like it. Right now it's a trend because before, oh, mental disorders are because you're not eating right. Now it's because you're not sleeping right. So it's going to keep moving. I had originally wanted to go into psychology. Yeah? Yeah. Right? Yeah, as a teenager. Any specific then, uh, area of psychology? Or? No, I just wanted to help people, but then I realized that like I wouldn't be able to leave it at work. Right. You know, same problem. I, I and like too much empathy, and I d- <laughs> I didn't want to develop that block where I had to cut off mm-hmm. my empathy. You know, right? Because like, you kind of have to have that distance, right? Like yeah. if you're a, same thing if you're a doctor, or, you know, you, like you kind of have to leave a bit of your humanity aside. And a lot of those specialists end up being more ruined than their clients right as we've seen in in in, in uh many examples in well, treatment there, that show i don't know if you've seen that show i haven't well there is the, there's tons of these like lists of like the top five careers that will break you will break you yeah <laughs> it will make you like super unhappy yeah and like doctor psychologist dentist sales manager yeah, like all these things are, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah like, i think the highest suicide rate is with the dentists because really? nobody wants to see them yeah. Really? And everyone's avoiding them and they're terrified of them. Yeah, the next time you go to your dentist, I mean, I, I feel like you probably already do this, but if you're really nice to your dentist and happy mm-hmm. to see them and you laugh and stuff, like they almost get like teary-eyed. Teary-eyed, yeah. My, my uh, <laughs> older son, uh, he's seven years old and for some odd reason, he's always loved going to the dentist, which is mm-hmm. very uncharacteristic of a child. Usually you have to like candy and like 
bleed with them to just stay still for a cleaning, right? My mm-hmm. son's like, you going to drill? <laughs> I want to hear the drill. Oh, and the dentist, like, Yay. it was is all like, I love this kid. You Next know? time you go to your dentist, just give him a hug. <laughs> yeah. Or a hug. No, but it's true. It has kind of a, like, people go, ugh, I have to go see the dentist. And they come in with that sort of energy. So I guess it, it must build. And there's also that always that cliche that they're, you're, they're kind of overcharging you, mm. whether they are or not, right. because it's a mystical field where people don't really understand the costs and the, yeah. and it's not covered generally. A lot of times the, the complex stuff isn't covered. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird scene. Mm. Yeah. I've always loved going to the dentist, but it's because I had braces and I have fairly large teeth. So they kind of like, Hey, Hey Cindy, come look. Okay. This is, this is exactly how a tooth is supposed to be. And I get all like ego like risen and stuff. It's like, yeah, show my teeth to everyone. <laughs> the only time I've had that experience is because I've always had weird medical problems that were, <laughs> were not, were not like permanent. Mm-hmm. They couldn't catalog properly. They had no prior. So I always get shit ton of doctors visiting me because they're like fascinating, 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 fascinating. <laughs> and that's the kind of attention I get when I'm in the rare times that I'm hospitalized is the, they, there's like a, a group around my bed and they're like, they're like holy shit what oh the hell is that <laughs> i literally I've, that's happened <laughs> like doctors who are like check this guy check out this x-ray guys come over here guys we got one <laughs> and i'm like but what does it mean though am i am i gonna die they're like no 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 no. i mean we don't think so <laughs> i'm like is it chronic well have you had it before no okay so i think you're fine but this is cool. Poke it. <laughs> yeah. And you realize that's what, that I realized that secret with uh, doctors here where it's hard to find one in, in this province. Because mm-hmm. if you have a weird, um, I feel like there's a trick you can play now on doctors. You just add a nonsensical symptom to whatever you're, you have and suddenly four doctors show up. <laughs> if you have a run-of-the-mill illness, they're like, mm-hmm. eh. Like, sorry, there's only one doctor in the whole city tonight. I'm sorry, on one shift. But if like six months, six months to see, to talk to it. But if you're like, yeah, so uh, I'm itchy everywhere. I have a fever and my elbow hurts. They're like, your elbow? Are you sure? Mm. Yes. Yes, my elbow. And I think I'm lactating. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. I'll be right back. (laughs) Guys, come on down here. And suddenly. You'll never believe this. Yeah. Yeah, like my baby mama had a little bit of high pressure during her pregnancy, and I've never seen so many doctors in my life. <laughs> I felt like the entire hospital was at our disposal, mm. and we were getting literally like, like at a club, like VIPing it through the, through the velvet rope, <laughs> and it's just because she had this one little symptom that was off, but it wasn't even anything severe. It was just weird. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's, that's cool. Sleep, sleep psychology, that's interesting. So you, with the graphs, right? The gra- yeah, we'd be we'd be watching a EEG uh, brain yeah. scan, so we'd see all the the it's, it's a hand movement. I can't <laughs> verbalize right. this. The Squig- squiggly lines. Yeah, <laughs> and then like the erratic stuff. I'm guessing is indicative of stress, or yeah. does that does that just to the movies? Um, it it totally depends on the brain area because if, uh, when you're dreaming, uh, your brain activity is fairly normal if not even more so that more active than when you're awake so that happens yeah Mm. for sure so it completely depends on the brain area what the wave is doing uh like you know sleep goes through cycles so if you're 
you're spending so much time, let's say, in REM sleep. Everyone knows REM sleep. That's mm. uh, the, the fourth stage. When you're like really deep. Rapid yeah. eye movement. Exactly. Yeah. So, for example, if you hit REM sleep right away instead of going through like stages one through three, that's a sign generally that either you're very stressed out or you're very sleep deprived in general. So you need to be like getting your sleep schedule back on track. Mm. Okay. So little things like that. And that's just concrete. It's super concrete. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. And circadian rhythms. Is that, uh, is that, is that part of it as well? Yeah, for sure. There's, yeah. there's the whole, the, the part that I like about sleep psychology is it, it encompasses so much, mostly because we don't know much about sleep um, in general. So we mm. take a little bit of everything, biology, psychology, neuroscience, like Whatever you can think of, we're, we're trying to staple it down. So that that's one of the reasons I really love research. I had the opportunity to do some research in my undergrad, which was the coolest part of my entire undergrad. Um, but I want to keep researching. But unfortunately, that usually means you have to teach too, unless you get into mm. sleep psychology. <laughs> <laughs> and do you experiment with your own sleep as well? Like, do you do any of that stuff? Like the um, no. lucid dreaming or keeping like the journal next to your bed or I used like to but I um I have chronic nightmares and I have chronic lucid nightmares which oh, is kind really? of bad um so my my uh way to get over that is to be a stoner I just smoke <laughs> okay. pot all the time and then because uh what pot does is it messes with your short-term memory lo- uh, memory and hmm. it's not that it's losing it it's just you're storing short-term memory in a different spot than you're used to so mm-hmm. you literally forget where you store it. And that's why you have short-term memory loss. Right. Um, so when you smoke pot before you go to sleep, you'll find that you don't remember your dreams because you've stored it in a place that you're not going to remember. And because you don't revisit that memory, it eventually fades away. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. A lucid dreaming is what exactly? It's when you kind of feel like you're in control. Okay. Uh, if, if you're on a path, you think go right. And then you see yourself go right. Oh, I've, had that, I've had that happen w- one time in my life. Yeah. That I know of because we forget dreams all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I had one dream like 15 years ago where I was at a dinner party and it was really cheesy. It was a dinner party <laughs> in like a Victorian looking house. Uh, and then there was like a monster. Uh, I guess it was a vampire of some type that came along and started to scare the shit out of everybody. And everyone was running. And I was like, I literally did the whole like, hey, hang on. Like, I'll let you catch me. But can I can I become one of you? Like, can I just be a monster too? <laughs> so I don't have to be a friend. And, and, Join and us. It was one of those. Like, I was like, hey, can I just with you instead of with the victims? And, and suddenly I was chasing... But that's like, the, <laughs> yeah, it was not, but it's not that clear, right? Like you never know how much of it you actually saw and played out and how much you, you just inferred. Right. Because sometimes all you'll remember is seeing a sidewalk visually, but you're like, no. And then there was a car with an airplane that turned into a sandwich or whatever. But, Whoa. <laughs> whatever. but the image was just of that sidewalk really. And the mm-hmm. rest you kind of all did back there. So mm-hmm. uh, I've heard, I've heard people talk about dreams as, one of the fascinating ones I heard was that your brain was just going through all of the activities of the day, like kind of a defragging. Yeah, that that's part of it. Well, on average, you have, I think it was uh, five to nine dreams a night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, as you know, you don't remember most of them. It's usually the, the lucid ones that you'll remember because they're often scary or very surreal. Um, anything that has kind of like a shock factor. You okay. remember, like, if you if you have a sex dream with your ex, you're like, whoa, whoa, kind of thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is good, but it's bad. But it's yeah. Good, but it's I bad. always thought the lucid dreaming was the ones that you had control over. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. So if, 
it, it almost seems like contradictory to say that like a lucid nightmare because if you have control then you could just say like ah i don't want to do this i'm gonna go to this other happy place <laughs> exactly was... i don't want to have sex with my uncle <laughs> again freudian slip <laughs> um it's more like for me I'd, I'd be like driving a train and there's no uh brakes and so there's a crossing and i'm like all right, well, I know whether I go left or right, there's going to be another train coming. Fuck it, let's go left. And then sure enough, there's another <laughs> train coming. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so you said that you are, are you you often have like nightmares? Yeah, I used to have like really, really bad ones. Um, like as a kid, kind of sad, I would cry in my sleep and wouldn't even notice. Um, but they were always like freaking weird. Like the one recurring one I had was there was this, uh, me and my mom were having a bonfire in our backyard of our house for whatever reason. And I go to collect more wood and I come across this two-headed butterfly, one's skinny and one's fat. And I'm like, hey, sirs, are you going to hurt me? They, the heads turn to themselves and they look at each other and they say, yes. And they start chasing me. So then I go to run towards my mom and I'm like, okay, if I duck, my mom will save me. So I run towards my mom, scream, help me. And I duck really quick. But then the, the butterfly just runs into my mom, turns, into a, turn, turns her into a skeleton. She instantly disintegrates. So then I like run into a back alley and I know they're going to hurt me because I asked and they said yes. Um, and then the, the wall I'm leaning on turns into clockwork and then I find myself stuck in clockwork. And it's like, Whoa. yeah, it's, it's really, really weird and things you shouldn't be afraid of. But it just, mm. my mind is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Very Chaplin-esque. All of, our, all of our minds are weird when it For comes sure. down to it. Yeah, I suppose, they, I suppose it is. But yeah. like are, you're aware that you're in a dream? Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. I just can't get myself out. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I know something bad's going to happen. Maybe I can find an escape. But then the escape is actually like being crushed in clockwork. Like mm. there's, <laughs> there's no way out. It's like a horror movie that you have some control over, but you can't look away. Exactly. Inception yeah. yeah. type of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or when you think you've woken yourself up from a dream, but you're still in the dream. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that's happened to me. Uh, there's one, been one like the ski mask guy coming after my mom and me trying to stop him and he walked through me like I wasn't there Oof. and I, I was like 11 and I woke up and I like kicked down my mom's door and Aww. scared the living shit out of her <laughs> <laughs> right and her new boyfriend <laughs> I'm like mom yeah. <sighs> I was like super upset but yeah no uh, oftentimes it's like stress dreams are like that it's like you don't have power to control you don't have mm -hmm. power to yeah, stop like, something yeah yeah like you're trying to fight something off, but like your fist goes through them. So it does. Def yeah. Um, or you're in a car, but you can't, can't steer. Mm -hmm. Imposter dreams. Do you have imposter dreams? Imposter dreams. Yeah. What's that? Like where you're, you're, in, you're doing something, but you can't do the thing. And oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. That do you have that? Yeah, and maybe you can confirm this. But like, oftentimes, and I think this is actually a technique that you use in order to people who want to do lucid dreaming more in order to like think it like inception sort of thing. Like you have some kind of thing that you do that doesn't work in the dream, but like you can't like if you uh, somebody had, had mentioned this and, and it resonated with me because I'd never really thought of it. It everybody has their cell phone with them all the time, but you never have it in your dream. It's true. That's true. Right. If you try to use any kind of technology, you can't like the because that part of your brain is asleep. You can't do numbers. You can't do math. Huh. You, you can't use technology. You can't remember your password, like all that kind of stuff. So, so like <laughs> one of the things that you do is like you try to do a math problem, 
and in order to know that you're in a dream in order to trigger the that lucid dreaming thing in order to unlock the ability to control your dream because it's like dreams for most people are is something that happens to you every night and mm-hmm. it's kind of terrifying in a yeah. way right like how fucked up is that you're kind like, of dead <laughs> or you're just like is that too dark you're <laughs> charging did i go did i go dark <laughs> or you're just like a captive of this narrative yeah. that you have no control or drunk over. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is almost like being drunk. Like that plugin in uh, Gmail, apparently, that exists that um, you can activate on your Gmail account. And uh, if you try sending emails after oh, a certain yeah. hour, oh. it prompts you with basic mathematical equa- like problems. <laughs> and if you can't solve them, it won't send the email because it assumes that you're hammered. Yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> Isn't That's that like such a, good idea. a bit of genius? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what happened, right? Somebody sent an email that cost them dearly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's text applications that do that too. Of course, right. It's like pa- you can set it like past a certain time, like just don't send it. And then you you yeah. can confirm the next morning if you want to send it. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, fail safe. Especially if it goes going to your ex or something. Yeah. I never told you. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've always loved you. It's not your baby. Um, <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oh, oh. I was watching. Uh, do you binge watch uh, like forensic shows? Does that ever happen? To oh you? yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Forensic Files is my 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 taste taster's choice lately. <laughs> there was this one case where uh, they were trying to identify the body of a woman, and uh, they had the DNA of her mom, and then they went to the dad to get the DNA. Her, the parents are like seventy at this point, and at, and at this point, uh, the mom had to reveal to the dad that he wasn't the real father and you thought the murder was the big, you know, the big hurt, Mm. but it's like, Oh, by the way, we can't get a DNA test from you because no, no, it's my daughter. Here's my DNA. No, no, sir. You don't understand. We can't this. Why? And then he's like, honey, it was, it was Roger's kid. (laughs) (laughs) But the, uh, the imposter thing that I'm talking about is with me, it's always music. Mm -hmm. I'm always in a band it's a popular band. Mm-hmm. There's a crowd. And it's weird because it's not like they point at me and go like, hey, we want you to play guitar, Jason. It's, I'm already part of this band. We're touring. And I know that I can't play the instrument. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm dreading. And I'm like, I'm going to go up on stage. And how do I fake this? And <laughs> it's all, it's, This is a reoccurring dream. Mm. Imposter syndrome, which apparently happens to a lot of entertainers. Oh yeah, stage fright, sure. and yeah. and uh, CEOs as well, mm. like startup people. They 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 uh, get imposter syndrome because at some point they're successful, or people are listening to them and they're like, "I don't think I know anything. Why are they listening to me? <laughs> I don't deserve this attention. I don't deserve this trust." Yeah, mm. maybe it's triggered by something like uh, somebody asking you for advice at some point, and you're like, "Oh no, this person <laughs> thinks I'm a trusted source for something." I've always thought it was because like when you become good at something, it seems easy to you and then it seems it, it like becomes magic. No, I think it becomes kind of, uh, to ba- others. I mean, banal to yourself, to, to you, right? So that you feel as though you're a faker. That's, that's you possible. Know? Like anyone can do this, but you've just reached this point where it just seems normal to you. Yeah. I don't know. That's well, always been my take. You've, I'm sure you've met people that thought something you did or, or do is like, magic like is some you have powers the modeling industry no nope. <laughs> they all think we're dumb bimbos <laughs> no but you, i'm sure other girls are like i don't know how, how do you do it how do you look so beautiful how do you pull off this and then and they and then you kind of explain it to them you try to tell them what you do but they're not listening they just want you to say like just, I, d- 
I just I just feel the wind or whatever. They want it. They don't want the rational explanation. They want mm-hmm. the the fairy dust. Mm-hmm. They want the magic. And I can see when that happens. A few times it's happened in my life. Um, I it was really creepy because I could see what some of these culty type people. That's mm-hmm. probably where they cl- lock down on people. Mm-hmm. Right. That's probably when they prey on them and they take advantage of them. When they, somebody comes to them like, I heard that speech and. I got to tell you, that really meant the world to me. How did you come up with that? And you're like, instead of telling them, well, actually, I read these four books and synthesized them. Like, well, uh, you know, life just teaches you lessons. <laughs> and when I was hunting buffalo or whatever, jaguars in Africa, oh, great. And a, a bad person, that's where they pray. That's mm-hmm. where they're like, you know, well, if you buy my new book, mm-hmm. right, it'll all be clear. Yeah, somebody who just has like a different life experience can give you too much credit and you can yeah. either say like, no, it's not magic. Here's, here's, here's how you do the here's trick, you, do you know? And or they, you could be like, yes, as a matter of fact. I don't like to, I don't like to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but what's really interesting is when you try to be real with the person and be like, I'm just, I was born tall and thin and I have great parents and this project I did worked out and that's why this is working. They're kind of mad at you because they wanted the magic yeah mm. they wanted the magic story and you just told them you you tore away the the, the narrative they wanted the secret yeah they wanted you to give them the secret some kind of quote <laughs> or like hold this leaf every night before you go to bed <laughs> and think of the three people you love the most like they wanted that shit and you didn't just you're like why won't you give me that 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 bullshit and you're like but because I, I respect you and i don't want to fool you <laughs> with my nonsense yeah it's hard work and life experience oh, shit <laughs> God damn it! I already knew that. Where's the secret? <laughs> did 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 I understand you correctly earlier when when we were texting and you said that you were going to be floating down the river oh, on yeah. a mattress? <laughs> yeah. Did I hallucinate? I, no. This this morning it was actually fun. So um, you know how Montreal's flooding right now, or there yes. was that flood a couple of days ago. So we went to the West Island where there's a lot of flooding. Uh, what we thought was a public park, which was a part of a fun story. Uh, we put a metal bed frame in a mattress and like a lot of flowy material. And I sat in a wedding dress and just let the, the dress get wet and like flow in the water. It was really nice. We put a smoke bomb in. But the fun part was it wasn't actually a park. It's a uh, it's private property. It's private property. <laughs> so <laughs> it was behind this apartment building and everyone was being really nice. You know, like one guy came down and he saw there was like a bunch of geese and he was like, oh, you probably want those geese in your photo in your photos. Let me run upstairs and get you bread. Nice. Um, this is a stranger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People are usually like very welcoming when they see like public shoots. And then another guy like brought his dog down, just came to talk. Some girl came down, had a smoke, chatted. Like it's interesting. People want to know what's going on. Not a lot going on in the West Island. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but then on the 15th floor, we see a head pop out. What are you doing? We're taking photos. You're not allowed to do that. I'm calling the cops. There's always one asshole. <laughs> right? But with, she, with like nothing to gain or lose by you doing what you're doing. That's it. And she didn't even ask, like past asking, what are you doing? It was like, all right, that's it. Cops are being called. So she called the cops. Cops showed up and they were like, what are you doing? And we're like, we're taking photos. And we're like, it's private property. You have to leave. But can I see the photos? We showed the photos. And we're like, that's really cool. You still have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so we got like an hour in. It was really fun. It was very cold. Um, Whose idea was this? It was actually the photographer's, Polina. Okay. Uh, really cool. She She's from Russia. And she used to work for this like really high-end magazine that had unlimited budget so she'd get like a model from australia a photographer from america the whole nine yards 
then Russia went through the economical crisis. She's now uh, here in Montreal escaping the, the bad things happening in Russia. And she has all this creativity um, that she built up from working from this magazine. She was an artistic director. But the same problem we were talking about in Montreal. No one really wants to realize them. Hmm. So uh, this was actually my first shoot with her, hopefully one of many. Um, but she always has like the coolest ideas. She sounds amazing. Yeah. I, I, I fucking love Russians from uh, like our Russian art mm-hmm. or their approach to it is. Uh, and I, this is maybe a bit of a stereotype, but they have the same. They're, they're kind of like they have this aggressive, aggressive kind of approach to art even when it's delicate stuff, yeah. you know, like all the stuff I remember from film, uh, Ru- Russian stuff is very dense, Yeah, but it's never like stupid. Mm-hmm. There's always like you, you need the stamina when it's super Russian, you know, like if you want to watch a Tarkovsky movie, like, you know, don't have a big meal <laughs> before. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's always multi-layered. And yeah. I mean, they invented uh, ed- like Soviet editing and all that stuff. Like, They, they, and especially, I can't imagine what how creative this person must be if they've built up a portfolio of having no limits in terms of budget and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I haven't yeah. even seen the length of her portfolio, but the stuff she's done in Montreal is wow. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So it it's was a lot of fun. This person yelling at you from the, back, the balcony, I'm, I'm being imagining. <laughs> this happened to me in my first film I ever made with like four friends Murphy's Law. Right? <laughs> We're filming in an alleyway. There's nobody there. There's no big setup. There's no lighting. There's no mm-hmm. nothing. Just a couple of kids with cameras trying to get... You were there. You remember? Which one was this? Well, this was where... Uh, uh, this was uh, Playthings. Where, where oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, do you remember the pizza delivery guy that yeah. came out and started... Okay, so we're... We just wanted to get a shot of this homeless guy kind of picking through the trash. Mm-hmm. And he was, his legs were kind of dangling in the air. And he's kind of pretending to be shuffling in there. And out comes this Pizza Hut guy. Or Pizza Pizza or whatever it was. Pizza Hut, Domino's, whatever. And he's just some random dude. And he made this huge stink about like, you can't just shoot that garbage. Oh, sound check. You can't just shoot that garbage container without rice. What? Like, you can't just come here and shoot. That's a private property. And we're just like... <laughs> we're like, bro. I'm going to place you under citizen's arrest. <laughs> he was this far from place, like getting super upset. We, I, I remember us kind of just going to the container next to that one and getting our <laughs> shot. And then he kept That's standing fine. there trying to look intimidating. And we're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Probably like a 16-year-old pimpled face just sitting there with his arms crossed. He was like a... That's, that, that's the image we would have. No, it was like more of like a, like a, a 30-something Hispanic guy that oh, couldn't no. quite speak <laughs> uh, English or French. But I felt like it was... The people that do that are, I guess, really like disenfranchised in terms of like personal power. Yeah. Because they have nothing to gain or lose. But I they're just like, they're something beautiful is happening. I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> I don't have power over anything, but I can control this dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> this is mine. My dumpster. It's not even my dumpster, but I can make a case, a believable case for this dumpster. These are the people, I think, who probably um, uh, ruin every condo co-op that exists. Mm. This is the yeah. person who's like, uh, can we have the yays for the new staircase? Yay, yay. Nay. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have a staircase. I don't want one. <laughs> I'm vetoing it. Because <laughs> fuck you. Because I hate my life. 
and you're gonna hate mine too like <laughs> literally I'm gonna, I'm gonna spread hate because i don't like love i don't get any of it yeah it's it's uh it's pathetic but did you you got some stuff though right yeah we got a like solid hour and it's like not much you can do like floating on a mattress in water anyway so we got some yeah. awesome photos yeah I'm that's very a, that's like you got to get it and then out yeah and the water was freezing man i can't imagine <laughs> you're brave yeah i guess girls like i don't want to say girls like you uh models like you aren't that common either like that they will do that type of stuff the the ones who stay in an industry long do uh, my the first girl i met here and one of my best friends min lee uh she'll model she'll go in rapids and she's a nude model too so she'll go in rapids like butt naked and, machine guns yeah like playing a violin like literally amazing and, <laughs> and take the most gorgeous photos she's she's climbed like cliffs she's climbed waterfalls she'll roll in mud she she literally found for one of the photos and it's one of my favorites like a pile of tires that, you know, you see on the street or whatever. Yeah, some abandoned it. lot or whatever. Yeah. She went in head first and just had her legs hanging out. And it's honestly the coolest photo. Like because, ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a simple thing. But I would never go head first in a pile of tires that yeah. I just found on the street. <laughs> she's just fearless. Yeah. And she's she's hired worldwide for it. Like, oh, wow. She's, she's living fantastic. And again, the whole artist thing is she hates her work. She really does. And she's hired literally around the world. And everyone who I've shown her work to thinks she's like amazing, fantastic, beautiful. But she hates it. She thinks yeah. she's always trying to better it. It's a grind or because she's not satisfied with it. It's just a confidence thing. The, the modeling yeah. industry polarizes uh, confidence. You either get much more confident, which was the case with me. And I'm very lucky for that. Or you lose confidence whatsoever because that's what happens when you view thousands of photos of yourself. Right. right. Yeah, I guess at some point it, it's got to be weird. Or people are just like self-critical. Maybe you get over that at a certain point. But even with uh, mm. you know we the podcast from the podcast mm. having to listen to our own voice, like Jason edits all these episodes oh and he just like having to listen to he you, wants man. to stab his own <laughs> eardrum <laughs> from my voice. Yeah, no, your voice is the only thing that that I was like. Uh. Good, good. Everybody hates their own voice. Everybody hates mm -hmm. seeing themselves in oh, photos. Watching Everybody... the stand-up videos, man, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. I thought it was the, the the podcast had like inoculated me. Yeah. I cannot watch. <laughs> I became a, a film director for a reason. I to be behind the camera. Behind the camera. <laughs> Never wanted the spotlight. That's right. But there's just you have to watch your sets, otherwise you can't improve. And mm -hmm. so you get over that. Obviously, you, you've gotten over that. Yeah. Well, for me, like I said, is it it. it gained my confidence and helped me uh get over bulimia but i think it's also because i look at it at a very business set it's like right. okay i kind of look horrible in that photo but that photographer picked it for a reason so there must be something he likes in it which means other people might like something in that that i don't right. i think so, that's probably what yeah i think that that is a really healthy way of approaching it because it allows you to kind of take a step back from about being you and your, your own manager or your own critic or your own like your mm -hmm you're forcing yourself kind of object objectively seeing it as a project. I mean, like, is this good business or bad business? Yeah. Is, this, is this a good decision, bad decision? Well, you can never really uh, remove yourself entirely, right? Like, you're always going to be looking at it and know that it's you. To some extent. Of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah but, but if you're not, if you don't have a hand in your actual career, you're kind of just like, tell me where to be at what time, hmm. then I can get a little freaky, probably just constantly like, <laughs> all day just looking at yourself all day every day like oh and you're like oh my hip oh my toe oh my knee yeah so that's uh, have you had a lot of crazy shit happen to you uh, like uh -huh. since you're so adventurous have you had some interesting 
Not super crazy. Embarrassing, for sure. Okay. I had uh, one really good embarrassing story. It happened about three years ago, so I'm still kind of getting new. I'm just getting into my paid work, and there's a portion in modeling called promo modeling. So you, uh, the, the boobs girls, I think mm-hmm. you call them. The boob, uh, ba- uh, boob boob babes. babes. Boob yeah. babes, yeah. So um, I, I lived in this little city called Brantford, which was an hour southwest of Toronto. And uh, whenever I'd get a gig in Toronto, I'd always try to make two to make the ride. So I had one booked and I'm scrambling to get a second one. And I finally did last minute, didn't look into it, promo gig for the Cabana Festival. So I finally get there. I'm trying to find their booth. I'm looking back and forth. At this point, I'm an hour and a half late because I still can't find this booth. I'm calling them. They finally pick up. Oh, we're in the back of a pickup truck. Like, okay, uh-huh. fine. Well, I'm already here. Let, let's just do it. <laughs> so I find them. And there's like two other girls and they're handing out DVDs. And I'm like, Uh-oh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's literally my that's thought. That's never a good sign. So I look at it and I'm like, what are we doing? We're handing out porn DVDs. I'm like, ah. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm already here. Like, who, no one's going to see me. It's fine. Handing out porn DVDs. And <laughs> while this man is pretty much like humping my leg like a dog, asking if I'm in the video, my ex-boyfriend, who always said if I got into modeling, I'd get into porn, walks by, oh, sees me handing out these DVDs, and oh. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> that was bad. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Murphy's Law, once again. Yeah. yeah. It's like when I started doing comedy, my mom's like, my mom's great. She's super wise and smart, and she's a badass lady, but sometimes she'll just go old school on me, old school European, and she'll just be like, are you doing the comedy? The comedy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing the comedy. She's like, I think there's a lot of drug addicts in that scene. And I'm like, maybe. Well, I don't do drugs though. So, uh, you know, she's like, yeah, be careful. Cause it's, you know, this and that. It's like me having that conversation. And then the one time she comes down, there's a guy doing crack next to me. <laughs> I just happen to go out for a cigarette and somebody decides to like shoot up. In their in their foot, oh god! <laughs> As my mom comes to see me, right? Like this, I'm sort of thinking this is how this would be, right? Like yeah. ex, the one that told you you would you end up in porn had yeah. to walk by at that fucking moment. Oh, it was so bad. But I guess at that point you just kind of own it, right? You revel I, in it. Just avoid eye contact. Hope it didn't happen. Like, <laughs> there's no place like home. There's yeah. no place like home. Yeah. All right. So, um, in terms of. Um, um, ambition is there anything that what's like a dream gig or, or a dream situation that you'd like to reach before you um, you close the door on that career I've I've had a lot of trouble actually realizing that because I, I've been so addicted to this industry and and I think it's because there's a very linear uh, progression between hard work and success because so many people don't see it as a business model mm-hmm. um, so like catching the gigs and stuff has been good and I've surpassed most of my goals like everyone who rejected me at the beginning i've now worked with and they've paid me which was like a very that's empowering good feeling yeah Yeah. but um so my next one is traveling and i've I've now have that for this summer and i have no idea what my next goal is but that doesn't mean that i'm getting out of the industry i'm just you're playing it by the ear a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm kind of lost direction wise but still very much in love with the industry have you ever given any thought to like producing stuff eventually like being a creative director or putting together projects um it would be cool but i'm not as creative as i'd like to be in that um a plan g or whatever i guess you could say Hmm. is uh opening up an agency 
because what I've done is every girl who's ever in the past five years been like, hey, can I try modeling? Or, wow, how'd you get this gig? I'm a model too. Okay. Um, I've just thrown into a Facebook group and I, I help give them gigs and I keep track of them. I keep tabs. I see who doesn't show up, who's flaky, who, uh, you know, comes to a shoot like drugged out of their mind or whatever. Which happens. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, Zombie Boy? Do you know who he is? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's from Montreal. He was yes. a homeless here. Yeah. Uh, he, he apparently is impossible to book unless you have drugs. Really? Yeah. I don't know if that's huh. still the case, but I see him still slumming it sometimes. Like he goes back to his people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, <laughs> they're like, we got this much money for him. And they're like, yeah, but do you have any dope? They're like, <laughs> <laughs> but we've got this much. I mean, he can buy dope with the money. No, no, you don't understand. Yeah. He won't pick up the phone. <laughs> Unless you leave a message saying wow. we got some dope for you, not surprised. That's what I heard from a guy, anyway, yeah. like a producer. You heard it here first. You heard it, yeah. But I mean, yeah, you're gonna see all kinds. You're gonna mm-hmm. see all kinds. But that's that's cool. All right. So, uh, would you like what to about plug Danny Girl? Yeah, Danny Girl. I was I, I thought about that earlier. Yeah. Uh, we know a, a photographer who does uh, a lot of um, burlesque. She she's almost the photographer to all the the elite escorts in Montreal. Yeah. And she does a lot of crazy creative stuff. I think stuff. she does boudoir. She does a lot of boudoir. Yeah. And she's a hilarious oh, girl. Oh, she's, she's the shit. Like, like if Girl. I was a chick, I'd already would have done a, a, a 10, 10 shoots with her. Like, she's yeah. just super cool. And she reminds me of you a little bit in the sense that she's like her own boss. She takes no shit. And she she's a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Right. And and uh, she's also hilarious. And she loves what she do, does as well. Yeah. And she does it well. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we should definitely connect, you guys. I'm yeah, sure she'd love awesome. to shoot you. I'm 100% sure she'd love it. Um, and be would be into doing, like, cool stuff. I would know? love that. I'm always looking for the next, like, wacky phenom- like project. Yeah, that seems to me like it's it's a no-brainer. That's mm-hmm. true. That's a yeah, no-brainer. Sure. So uh, where can people either find your work or interact with you online? Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash Starla Lost. Um, on Instagram, it's... Uh, model adventurer model adventurer yeah that's yeah. where we met yeah and i also have a diversity under starla lost as well so you can kind of find me anywhere around there happy to meet new people of course yeah, absolutely yeah i i, I anyways I, I from what i've saw um there's a, a lot of the stuff there was very cool and and some Thank of you. it was not even stuff that i i like necessarily like it's not my style not my aesthetic but it was good and Thank to you. me that's usually a mark of of quality when I'm like, this has nothing to do with the things I'm into, but I respect it. You know, uh, there's this one. Uh, yeah. I want to ask you about this before mm-hmm. we go. The, the ones with the spikes, ah. what was that project? Um, it was, it was a collaboration of ideas. So I wanted to do a surrealist thing where my body was photoshopped in opposite directions kind of okay. thing. So the easiest way to do that was to body paint me one color, easy to Photoshop you. But the uh, body painter was on this spike aesthetic where he wanted to glue spikes on me. And so we're like, well, why don't we just make a spiky room and make it the the original idea was to flip the images. So you didn't know which way was up. Right. But we liked it so much regular. Uh So it was just like a collaboration. of. It just happened kind of spontaneously. Yeah. I just saw it because I first of all, it spoke to me because it's the kind of if I were into photography, very this is exactly the kind of thing I would come up with. Yeah, and uh, uh, not this particular project, but I'm saying like this kind of picture. That was the the idea that was originally like the twist in my uh, body. Yeah, like impossible. Mm-hmm. Just adding an impossibility, almost like a it's a Kubrick thing. Like, uh, but the the colors, the textures, and all of it. I, I and I 
I tried to collaborate with this fashion photographer friend of mine, as I was saying, and I would be telling him things like this. And he's like, I'm um, sorry, that's not fashion, though. That's not. It's not fashion, which but sucks, it's not. but it's awesome. Yeah. And then again, <laughs> uh, he's burning right now. Like he's he's so frustrated because fashion in Montreal and in North America, at least, has hit this like new aesthetic of the banal, like uh Polaroid hipsterish kind of style, yeah. where you have to look like it's almost anti-chic, anti-modeling, anti-fashion, uh, yeah. and it's killing him. It's <laughs> killing him. Like, and I'm telling him, dude, you need to adapt. And he's like, I can't, I can't do this shit. This is not, this is not good work. And I'm like, no, it's just different. He's like, no, this is garbage. Like, <laughs> so I, I guess every artist at some point has to either adapt or die. Yeah, hundred percent. Decide to put down the camera. I mean, sometimes maybe that's the, that's the thing you need to put it down. I hope he doesn't because he's talented as shit. He's super talented. Anyway, uh, this has been great. I'm so glad we 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 uh, invited you down in it. You accepted. I mean, we got to have you back on the show. I would love to. Did you you guys are time? fantastic. I I love chatting with you guys. Awesome, <laughs> super great. fun. Thank you so yeah, much for keep coming. Yeah, keep us updated on the, your projects. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're fans. Thank you. You've got a new fan for me too. Oh, great. <laughs> Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Yay. Hey.